Hey, my name is Cindra Kampoff, and I'm a small town Minnesota gal, Minnesota nice as we like to say it, who followed her big dreams. I spent the last four years working as a mental coach for the Minnesota Vikings, working one-on-one -on -one with the players. I wrote a best-selling book about the mindset of the world's best, and I'm a keynote speaker and national leader in the field of sport and performance psychology. And I am obsessed with showing you exactly how to develop the mindset of the world's best so you can accomplish all your goals and dreams. So I'm over here following my big dreams and I'm here to inspire you and practically show you how to do the same. And you know, when I'm not working, you'll find me playing Miss Pac-Man. Yes, the 1980s game, Miss Pac-Man. So take your notepad out, buckle up, and let's go. This is the High Performance Mindset. Welcome to episode 395 with Dr. Jonathan Arnoff. This is your host, Dr. Sandra Kampoff. Thank you so much for joining me here today on the podcast. And if you know that mastering your mindset is essential to your success, then you are in the right place. And I'm really excited today to bring to you an interview with Dr. Jonathan Arnoff. I'm taking a positive psychology class with Dr. Arnoff, and I wanted to feature him on the podcast because I've learned so much from him already. We're about three-fourths through the course, and I've loved every class with him, and I know that you will enjoy this episode too, which is really about staying positive in the face of adversity and how to flip the coin. Now, Dr. Jonathan Arnoff is a psychoanalyst, a personal and executive coach, as well as a sports coach. And he combines three decades of training and experience to really help people rediscover and affirm the warrior within them by regaining a sense of purpose, meaning, confidence, and determination to overcome obstacles and achieve goals. He believes that people are inherently driven to be masterful and successful, and it is the warrior within that enables people to achieve mastery and success. Yet sometimes life's challenging moments and unexpected events get in the way of our drive and ability to execute. And that's really what we're talking about in this episode today. And in this episode, Jonathan and I talk about why it's difficult for us to be positive in, in the face of adversity, loss, grief, or even during this time period of COVID. We talk about what flipping the coin means and how to actually flip the coin and why that's so important right now. We discuss how positive emotions enhance physical and mental health, what humans are really hardwired for, and we also talk about the positivity of negative emotions and the negativity of negative emotions. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love to hear from you. I'm on Instagram at Sindra Campoff and Twitter at Mentally underscore Strong. We'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed today's episode, take a screenshot and share it with a friend. Share it with somebody who needs this message today. Without further ado, let's bring on Dr. Arnoff. Dr. Arnoff, I'm so excited to have you here on the High Performance Mindset Podcast. I think you're a perfect guest for uh, what we're going to be talking about today and just for the podcast in general. So thank you yes. so much for joining me this morning. Well, you're welcome. It's a real pleasure. It's an honor. I think uh, one of the things I've really enjoyed is taking your class on positive psychology. Um, I've been doing coaching for a long time, but wanted to be official and get an executive coaching certificate. So joined the College of Executive Coaching in April and I've been taking your class and I'm absolutely loving it. So yeah. And um, one of the things to get started with is just tell me, telling everyone who's listening, tell us a little bit about your passion and what you're doing right now. So I'm a clinical psychologist uh, and I became a board certified psychoanalyst in my training. Um, after I got my master's science in experimental psychology, I then went uh, into clinical psychology and got my PhD. And I had to make a decision between whether I was going to go do my pre-doc internship in neuroscience or I was going to go into psychoanalysis. And where I had uh, was born and raised in a small town, Stockbridge, Massachusetts, only 3,000 people in that uh, little town in the western Part of, of the state, uh, there was a, a, a renowned psychoanalytic hospital there, Austin Rick Center. And Eric Erickson, who was Freud's, Sigmund Freud's protege, was working there. And he influenced me as a child and growing up to become a psychoanalyst. Uh, so it was sort of hard to uh, turn down someone who had this, looked like Einstein, he had 
white hair and he just looked so impressive. And so I, I, I was at that choice point. Do I do my pre-doc internship in neuroscience? Got, got accepted to do my pre-doc internship in Portland, Oregon. And, or I was going to go to um, Harvard or Yale to do my psychoanalytic train, uh, my internship in psychoanalysis. So I chose the psychoanalysis and then I ended up get, getting a job uh, at the hospital that uh, Eric Erickson was working at. And then I applied to Boston Psychoanalytic Institute and uh, eventually became a psychoanalyst. But my passion really underneath all this was neuroscience. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because it made sense. Uh, even Sigmund Freud said, remember constitution first, what, how the mind and the body work really is the foundation of everything we, we do. But I, I was, you know, I sort of got hooked into the psychoanalytic thinking. And at that time, we're talking about the 80s, the 90s. Uh, and that was still still on the on the uh, sort of uh, riding the wave of excitement of okay. psychoanalysis. But through that, I was becoming more and more aware of the research on, on the uh, neuroscience, how the mind and body really affect the, the, uh, our feelings and our behaviors and our thoughts. So my, I then became a fitness trainer on the side and I was a high school coach in soccer. I played semi-pro soccer for uh, six, maybe 10 years. And I just kept getting drawn back to the body and the mind uh, and what makes it work. So I'm a fitness trainer at Canyon Ranch Health Spa, which is near where I work. Um, and I uh, decided I wanted to uh, apply some of the practical things I'd learned. Uh, so I too became a, a certified coach at the College of Executive Coaching in 2003. And uh, the uh, uh, Dr. Arbach, who's the uh, CEO and the president of College of Executive Coaching asked me to teach positive psychology, uh, co-teach it in 2008. And that was the beginning of a shift for me that was quite profound. Um, passion for me is working with people or being with people. I am an identical twin. My, my identical twin brother is a famous musician. He's a rock and roll star. He was the drummer for John Mellencamp for 15 years. And he's uh, sort of one of those hall of famers. And he's yeah. in LA. And I think my whole experience in life is through the lens of being an identical twin. Okay. And so it, it's always been, uh, um, uh, sort of a passion for me to be able to work with people, whether it's at the individual level or whether it's at the team level, to bring out the most and the best in people. And so I've devoted my life to being able to teach and to be able to uh, work with people and help them reach the highest level of their potential. And uh, not simply what you know, it's your ability as a, as a uh, teacher to be able to get the most out of people. And so that would be the answer to where's my passion. <laughs> Perfect. So you started teaching positive psychology with the College of Executive Coaching, I think yes. you said 12 years ago. Yes, correct. For those people who are listening, tell us in your perspective what positive psychology is and uh, maybe let's just get started there. Sure. So the positive psychology, uh, the grandfather of positive psychology was Donald O'Clifton, and he was doing his uh, dissertation, uh, and he decided to focus on what makes people good at what they do. Talents mm -hmm. is the word he used. So he started focusing on, instead of the, the traditional model of what's a person's symptoms, what's their diagnosis, and what's the treatment, follow-up, which is the traditional medical model, he wanted to focus on what are a person's talents and then maximize those talents in where in their life. And particularly, this was useful when it came to corporations, organizations, and businesses. But it was Martin Seligman, in 1998, he became the president of the American Psychological Association. And he made his mission, and that was his, his, his um, his, uh, his uh, commitment was to study what makes people happy. So he's considered the father of positive psychology. Now, both of these uh, uh, researchers and, and uh, psychologists um, built their ideas, particularly Mark Seligman, 
on 5,000 years of writings and uh, philosophies of what makes people across all cultures and across time. So he, he read all the great writings of uh, whether uh, in philosophy and also Bibles and people who preached the, the, uh, the essence of what meant to be a, a, a good person or a happy person. And he came up with six virtues and then eventually operationalized those six virtues uh, uh, into character strengths. So Donald Clifton focused on, eventually came up with 36 um, um, talents and Martin Seligman came up with um, 24 character strengths. This started this uh, the trend of positive psychology as we know it today. And mm -hmm. Martin Seligman and his colleagues and then subsequent uh, researchers and theorists we developed and advanced the, the whole idea of positive psychology, including emotions. And now I teach the neuroscience of positive psychology, specifically focusing on focusing on uh, what constitutes change and growth. And, uh, but many others um, like uh, Sonia Leibermerski does the, the, uh, studies happiness and Barbara Fredson's looks at uh, the positivity negativity ratio of emotions. And there are many others who have done a lot of research in that area. And I think for myself, positive psychology is really about finding a way to look at positive elements of life uh, and be able to enhance them. Now, I have a certain take on it or a certain spin, as you know, okay. taking my class, which is, and I coined the phrase, uh, flipping the coin. Yes. And the whole idea of this is that positivity to me has no meaning whatsoever unless you are able to look at uh, the negative uh, side or elements of life. Now, people ask me, why would you want to do that? Uh, and the answer is that because it's real. Mm -hmm. um, the brain is first and foremost hardwired to be sensitive and hypervigilant to danger, to look at what is potentially a threat to the well-being and the, uh, the safety, uh, the preservation of the person. Uh, the brain is six, over 600 million years old terms of evolution, 600 million years. And that brain in the human being has survived in relation to the earth, okay? So we, we sometimes have lose sight of the fact that the technology and our ability to use the sort of the upper part of our brain, the neocortex, to develop all sorts of uh, scientific discoveries and to advance ourselves so that we are not spending uh, 99% of our time uh, being safe, um, finding food, clothing, and shelter. Uh, we're not find, following the food source during uh, most of the time we're sort of tribalistic. Uh, eventually we became agriculturists, which only lasted uh, for approximately 20,000 years. And then we went into the industrial revolution and now we're in the information age and that's a transition to something new. Um, probably COVID has, uh, uh, has pro uh, propelled us to the next level as well. But the idea is that self-preservation is very much the cornerstone of our brain. And, and the, the brains that were, uh, were handed down generation to generation, first and foremost, were able to keep a, a sharp eye on the danger of life. Mm -hmm. So what it really is about what we're talking about is the negativity, uh, the yeah. negative aspects, the, 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 uh, the threatening aspects of life. And so the, the brain is hardwired to be hypervigilant to negativity or the things that can be potentially negative. So positivity is going to be on the other side of the coin. Okay. And uh, many researchers like Barbara Fredrickson has have uh, written about the fact that negativity sticks to us like glue, okay? And positivity has a tendency to sort of, uh, uh, sort of drift off like, um, like mist, doesn't stay with us. And I think part of the reason is that we have evolved to be very focused on the negativity and we, it becomes hardwired in our neuronal networks. It 
becomes part of our brain circuitry, fueled by neurotransmitters and hormones so that we do not put ourselves in danger. And uh, people sometimes say to me when they, I'm so pessimistic, I'm so negative. How can you stand being with me? No one wants to be around me. And I said, yeah, but you would be great if you're an EMT or if you're on the, right. you know, a firefighter, I want you with me because you'd be the one that would say, look out for this, watch out for that. You would right. keep the, the team safe, okay? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's right. not as much fun being pessimistic person, but you have a valuable contribution to life. Now that's a perfect example of my flipping the coin. Let me say one more thing, a uh, metaphor I use. Okay. People ask me, why do you have negativity part of this equation? I said, remember the story of Peter Pan? He cut off his shadow. Well, that's the negative side of the coin, the chaos side of the coin. He tried to, or Peter Pan wanted to live in a life where he thought you could escape the negativity of growing up, getting old. Uh, we all eventually die. That's a negative aspect of life. Uh, and so we can't cut our shadows off if we're going to be realistic. So that negativity is as important to our positivity as positivity is important to our negativity. So here's how I look at uh, flipping the coin. Okay. Anytime something negative comes up in my mind or I think about it or I'm worried about it, I say, thank you, universe. Thank you, God, if you're religious, for giving me the opportunity to become aware of the negative aspects of life so that I can flip the coin and appreciate the positive. So the negative aspects of life give you an opportunity to practice seeing the reality of life. I call it boots on the ground, ground zero. So that then it gives you a chance to practice being positive. If you can see negative what it is, look in the mirror and say, this is how I feel today. Is this a good day to live? Or is this a good day to throw in you know, the chips, is it then at least you say, no, I want to live for, then the list comes of things that you want to do, the positive aspects of your life. Of your life. You embrace life for its, for, in an honest way with integrity, and then you go out and pursue it. The same thing when I work with athletes, I say the same thing. When my athletic teams uh, lose a game, I tell them, the players, to go and thank the other team for giving them the opportunity to have a chance to know what you have to work on, what we have to work on to get better. A win is like Disney World. It's just our birthday. You're having a great time, okay? It's a great feeling, but you don't learn from that. So a loss or a negative moment is a wonderful opportunity to ask yourself, what can I do to enhance myself, propel myself to the next level? How can I be better than I was yesterday? How can I become best I possibly can given who I am. And mm -hmm. so flipping the coin is a way of honoring both sides of positivity, negativity um, um, uh, combination. So good, Jonathan. And I'm but a few things that I want to highlight specifically that you were talking about that our brain is over 600 million years old. <laughs> so it's really programmed for, for the negativity and, and yes. strive to survive. I really also like the flipping the coin because you're not, it's not like you're saying, Hey, just be positive. You're acknowledging right. the negative and acknowledging the ways that you can grow from the negative. And I think that's an important distinction that sometimes people think, Oh, I'm just, okay, positive psychology might just be like, just be, just be positive, Correct. but it's ignoring the difficulty. It's really like flipping the coin, reframing the difficulty. So you can see ways that you can grow and learn. Exactly. And, you know, positive psychology, if, 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 if it can get a bad rap, if people are just thinking it's just this like fluff and it's just going to be, if I just think positive, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be uh, live a good life. That's just not, that's not grounded in reality. And, right. you know, so the negativity or the negative aspects of positivity is when you are discounting the truth about your, what, what reality is. And I'll go a little bit into that with regard to the neuroscience of it. Okay. okay. And the negativity of, um, or the positivity of negativity is that negativity reminds you mm -hmm. of who you are 
where you are, what reality is, how your mind and your body are feeling, experiencing mm -hmm. the world, so that you can then do something about it. That's flipping the coin. So, you know, you could say something as it sounds a little ridiculous. Thank you very much for a stomach for making me aware that my stomach hurts because I don't have any food. Flipping the coin would be because now I know I need to attend to my uh, need for food and get a, 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 a decent meal. So going back then to the body is that our body is the internal workings of the body is constantly registering information from what's outside the body and the mind and what's inside body and the mind. And the, the, the term that's used homeostasis is to make sure that the body is constantly trying to reach a point of balance, okay? While minds need to do the same thing, but we need to find a way to create a certain sense of balance. Um, I've identified eight areas of, 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 of life or well-being, and those eight areas uh, and the, the eight areas I use, the, you know, uh, borrows from some other people's as well, is um, health, which is psychological and physical, relationships, and I'll say a little more about relationships, why that's so important. Okay. Next to self-preservation. Your career is number three. Mm -hmm. Number four is your home life. Number five is community. Number six is your financial resources. And number seven is your relationship to nature, which mm. we have become so alienated from because of our technology. You can mm -hmm. Amazon this, you can Uber that, you can text yes. anything you want. It used to be that we were spending most of our time trying to just follow the food source and, and be safe uh, and, and uh, away from predators. Um, and the last one is spirituality. And um, so the idea is that you know, in an effort to try to balance your life, your your mind, you have to make choices, okay? Your body is taking care of itself and it's finding a way to make sure the chemistry is balanced. But when we talk about positive psychology uh, from the, the position of homeostasis, you're looking at life in these eight areas and see what do I need to do to maximize my performance and my... Uh, health so that I can be um, live as, as Seligman would say, you know, the thriving life you know, to yes. enhance uh, your life to its maximum. Now, if you notice in my saying this, at no point do I um, ignore the aspect, the ground floor uh, of negativity, that it's very much a part of what allows us to be honest and truthful mm -hmm. about our, our positivity. And um, so when people talk about being motivated, driven, perseverance, and like in your book, Brett, yeah. there, there are, there's an element of what I'm saying that applies, you know, um, to have the, the uh, perseverance and have the passion to st st stay in the game, to just never quit, never give up, and to keep going also requires the ability to appreciate struggle appreciate it yes. your negativity is what gives you the opportunity to practice flipping the coin thank you very much for giving me this opportunity to practice mm -hmm. a positive element of being more successful this moment or today than i was yesterday and that does foster perseverance and it does enhance passion but it also gives you a chance to practice this flipping the coin constantly. And I do believe that it sort of parallels with this notion of homeostasis, of this balance, and trying to actually ma maximize your psychological well-being at every moment of your life. And we can get very distracted. You can get very distracted because, you know, if you're not in a state of panic around self-preservation issues, people sometimes get overly excited about uh, the, the fun things in life whether it's food, whether it's alcohol, substances, whether it's sex, sure. whether it's partying or whether it's having fun. And you can get out of sync and out of line. You're trying to get away from the negativity, but at a cost. What you hope to get to is a place of calmness, 
centeredness and with a clear mind about directing your intensity and your drive and your passion and your perseverance to goals that are going to enhance your well-being. Yeah, excellent. Well, I think what you said just now is really powerful that, you know, we can appreciate the struggle, the negativity, um, and because it gives us this ability to flip the coin. And I'm thinking about right now during this time period of COVID, Dr. Arnoff, and I'm thinking about, I mean, for me, uh, my, my son did have COVID. It, he was okay. And, um, you know, but there, it's been, it impacted my home, but also obviously impacted my work. And uh, we're not socializing here in Minnesota. Um, there's pretty much like a stay at home kind of order. So yes, right. I think right now it's really difficult for people maybe to flip the coin and they're overcome with negativity even more. So what advice would you give people, particularly during this time period of COVID? It's a really good point because first of all, COVID will activate, if, if people are open uh, uh, and aware, it does trigger natural uh, instincts the, 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 the mind is first and foremost oriented around self-preservation. So yeah. the metaphor that I would use okay. with COVID, it's, it's like a predator, like a lion or a tiger mm. that's in the woods coming uh, towards you. But the, the thing about COVID also is that we don't really quite understand how it's affecting us, who gets it, how long. Um, I do work in uh, uh a percentage of my week in nursing homes. So I do know what the front line, I am a frontline worker and I can see uh, who's getting it and who isn't. And it's so unpredictable, even though you, there are certain patients who have, you know, have comorbidity uh, uh, factors. And so they're higher risk, but some people who have higher risk are getting it and healing, uh, recovering right. in their 80s. Other people are younger, significantly younger, are getting it in a week or dying. And we're still not clear. So that creates a lot of anxiety and a lot yeah, of fear. True. Okay, so that's a natural response. Other okay. people are going to try to say, uh, minimize it, deny that it's as powerful as it is. And that's a way of adapting to a threat to your well-being. Okay, some people just will try to push it aside. And, 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 and in my mind, if you push it aside too much without embracing it, you are not grounded in reality. There isn't boots right. on the ground. You are not at ground zero. It's very important to be able to get to a place where you are mindful or aware of the significance and the and the validity and the truth of a of this um, of this illness that yes. over the course of six hundred million years. The species has been bombarded by these illnesses over and over again. Fortunately, we are at a point now where with our technology and our science, we are, have skills and abilities to be able to manage an illness like this. Now, what has happened to all of us is it's, it's really forced us to get to ground zero. Some people have the resources to manage the psychological and the emotional uh, 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 stress, the negativity yes. of this yes. experience, okay? I'm fortunate, I'm a doctor and I have a thriving practice, but how many people are frontliners or people who cannot uh, afford and have uh, to continue to live a lifestyle they're struggling anyway? How many people are faced with, you know, having to decide do I work or do I stay home with my child? How many people yeah. have uh, financially destitute because of this? That's mm -hmm. a very serious situation. And so yes. the question is, how do you find positivity in yeah. a situation right. like that? Okay. Yes. And so here's what I would say. You have okay. a choice. You have a choice. The reality is exactly what you're saying to me. I'm not denying it. And I would say to you, your negative experience is real and it's, yeah. you're activate, it's activating one of the three primary mental operations that the brain is wired to do, to preserve the self. And so if you're anxious and panicked, you are completely true to your physiology and how you are hardwired to 
uh, operate. Okay. The question is, what do we do with it? Because it can bring you down and through yes. natural selection, some people yeah. are going to make it and some people aren't physically and psychologically. So what I would say is, okay. this reminds me a little bit of the sort of Nelson Mandela story who spent 27 years in prison and he found a way to appreciate yeah. what he had control of what he didn't have control of. Or uh, like Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning, people who survived the concentration camps. The people were stripped of everything that they had owned, their body, their integrity, Okay, their physical well-being, and yet the ones who survived mm -hmm. had an ability to find the positivity in life, as did Nelson Mandela. And so what I say to people is under stress, you can, and it may sound a little bit hard, but I would say this is the opportunity to say, thank you for giving me this opportunity to develop skills and to uh, exercise an ability to find the positive elements in life, despite the, the adversity disparity, stress, anguish, torment that I am faced with every day. So as Viktor Frankl found, and I've actually met people who survived the Holocaust, who the, the, the concentrated camps, who I've talked to, who said, yes, every morning I waited for the sun to rise. Every night I looked forward to the stars twinkling in the sky, mm -hmm. the blue sky, even the birds chirping, though yeah. they are on the barbed wire of the of the fenced-in area, I wow. appreciated their song in the contrast to the horror of my situation and the barbed wire. And so wow. the mind has the ability to juxtapose negative and positive. And I feel like the COVID experience is giving us a chance to practice this skill. Someone may come to me, how can I practice this skill when I don't have food? I said, whether or not you have food on the on the table right now mm -hmm. doesn't take away the fact that you have mm -hmm. the choice. Yes. Okay? The choice yeah. flip the coin. You didn't ask to be born. You can make a choice of how you live your life. You didn't ask yeah. to have COVID. You have a yes. choice of how you're going to work with it. And I'm not mm -hmm. asking you to deny or minimize your suffering. Mm -hmm. I'm just mm -hmm. recommending or suggesting that there may be a way where you can inhale, feel it, clench your fist, shout. Exhale, put that negativity three feet in front of you, and then open your heart to what can I do to enhance my positivity? Thank your negative experience for giving you this opportunity to become better at being positive. Excellent. You said so many powerful things there, Jonathan. I think that a lot of people are appreciating your listening. And I'm thinking about um, just the practice of savoring. And I want to talk a little bit about that. I am um, yes. thinking about when at the top of COVID, I was kind of sitting in my my, my boys, they're, they're 13 and 11, and they wanted to play hide and go seek. So, you know, they don't, they don't like to play with their parents too much. And they're kind of, but we were sitting downstairs and uh, I'm sitting there in the dark playing hide and go seek. And I just savored that moment, you know, just like so grateful that we were together as a family. So tell us a little bit about, in your opinion, why is it important to maybe savor things right now in this time period of COVID or just, or, or just in general? So savoring is um, the, the ability to become acutely aware of the positive elements in an experience from the past, something you're experiencing in the moment, or even mm -hmm. forecasting a positive experience that you anticipate you will have. Okay. And if you take the time to be, to sort of integrate from mm -hmm. all, all the uh, primary senses in, in your body, sight, thought, feelings, taste, smells, be able to activate um, those feelings. It can also activate memories of positive experiences. That integrating that, that sensory experience allows you to feel a sense of positivity, which is going to activate um, what I call happy chemicals in the brain that will actually yes. make you feel better, like you know, oxytocin or dopamine, you know, and, 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 and uh, serotonin endorphins, when you activate those positive chemicals, 
and different parts of the brain, there are some primary parts of the brain, different parts of the brain will reinforce that experience. You will have, you will actively choose create positive emotions, um, enhance positive thoughts, and generate positive behaviors. Why is that so important? It's because if you are experiencing uh, a negative moment, or even if you're not in a negative moment, you can actively generate positive thoughts, feelings, and emotions and behaviors that will enhance uh, your well-being and positive uh, positivity in your life. You have a choice to do that. And so savoring is one of the ways to do that. So if you're in a bad situation, like say with COVID, and you're restricted from your social network of friends like your sons maybe, what, what you might be able to do with your sons is to help them focus on this positivity, okay? So they can have a positive moment. That doesn't mean they're denying the restrictions right. that they are, uh, are yeah. imposed upon them, but allows them to experience that. Going back to my metaphor or the example of Viktor Frankl's uh, uh, survivors of the Holocaust, mm -hmm. there was a lot of storytelling by starving uh, 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 people in the, in the concentration camps. Um, they had very little to be happy about, but they did have memories to savor. And they would tell stories about when things were good. Some people I'm sure responded to negativity, say, I don't want to think about it. It's too painful. Right. Sure. Savoring is sure. the ability to activate a part of the mind deliberately with choice so that you can bring those feelings into the moment and yeah. experience them. And that very much is a way of enhancing positivity, which enhances um, a balance in your mind and body, which is good for your health and well-being. Yeah, excellent. So I'm thinking about people who are listening and they might be leaders of businesses or leaders in general, maybe of an athletic team. Tell us um, a little bit about the implications of positive emotions to, let's say, workplace or to leadership and why those are so important. I think with, when it comes to the, the hierarchy of authority or in a leadership where you're the leader of other people and those people are leaders of other people and you're part of a network of a team, it's very important to think about um, that there are individual differences. Every person is going to respond to stress, to adversity, to conflict, to wins and losses, to injuries, to uh, health-related issues, to conflict between people differently. But as a leader, what's important is one, to appreciate those differences. But what we share in common is the ability to take your own personal experience of what is going well for you and what isn't going well for you to identify what you have the choice to do to contribute to making the situation better, not only for yourself, but for the team. And to be able to, if you're a leader, to lead people by first and foremost, respecting their individual differences, to lead people to embrace this notion that you have something to contribute positive to the team, to the task, to the goal, to the mission, whatever it is that you're doing, you have something that you can do every moment. Um, I'm from Massachusetts, so Bill Belichick is somebody that I used to listen to a lot uh, yes. as a coach of the Patriots. But one yes. thing he did say that I think some of the greatest coaches have said and, and, and leaders have said, know what your job is in the next sure. play. Yeah. And just do your job. So yeah. if you have something to contribute, think to yourself, not whether my boss is annoying or my fellow teammate is annoying. That's all, that's all true. And you need to know that. Mm -hmm. When it's time to, to engage in a play or to do something, know what you have to do that can contribute something positive and do your job. And if it doesn't work out, put it aside and get ready for the next play. Yes. And that's the way life is. What can I do to do that, to, to contribute? And part of that might be saying, I feel horrible that I 
wasn't able to do my part and to, to take that in and say, now here's flipping the coin. Even though, and this is an affirmation, this is another thing that I talk about, affirmations. Even though I, I feel like I completely failed at the last play, thank you for giving me this opportunity to practice flipping the coin so that I can learn to recover quickly and to contribute something for the next play and do my best. And so now you've endured, you've embraced the negative experience and you've been able to then move on, leave it on the side, and move on to the next. I think leaders can honor people's <laughs> sense of failure instead of shaming them or criticizing them for, for, for being uh, having those experiences and helping them appreciate, you have five seconds, feel the negative, let it go, exhale yes. with breath, and now yes. let's focus on what you can do for the next play. Yeah, I think that's so important because, you know, I'm thinking about flow and peak performance in general. It, it only yes. happens when you're in the present moment and you, you can't think about the present while you're also thinking about what just happened. Correct. Yeah. Correct. We have one question here that came in on Facebook. So there's okay. some people who are listening to us on Facebook. So this question is from Julie and she said, how much time do you spend on acknowledging the negative? Like, is it a percentage of your day or can it just be a quick moment and move on? That's a really, I, good, like, it's a really good question. Acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. The first thing, the first thing, Julie, what I would say is depends on what the issue is. If you've lost a loved one, um, you know, if it's your, your family member, you're not going to be able to quickly forget that. However, even with something as profound and significant as a loss, death or a loss of, let's say, a job, um, fin financial destitution, even then, I use the word oscillation. That is, you oscillate back and forth. I call that okay. flipping the coin constantly. Okay. Oh my gosh, I'm smitten with a negative feeling. I try to inhale, feel it. I love to do something physical. I clench my fists okay. and I feel the power of the negativity inside me. My strength is what allows me to feel like I can manage it instead of being passive. To it. And then I exhale. Okay. And as I exhale, I imagine. Letting that negativity, I'm like emptying a cup. That's a metaphor that people use a lot of the negativity and try to see it three feet in front of me. And then I open my mind to something positive. This can happen very quickly. And the reason why this is so important is oscillation is quick, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You're honoring what I would consider one of the primary, if not the primary, uh, mental operations of the brain, which is self-preservation. When you have a loss, something going bad, it's going to activate flight and fight, okay? But you're yeah. also, by flipping the coin, you're also honoring the ability for the brain to create, to be able to move forward, to be able to build, to be able to generate new ideas and, and new activities so that you're going somewhere positive. Then you come back to the negative and you go to the positive so that you can oscillate very quickly, but you really want to end up on the positive as much as possible. By the way, that's the second of the three major mental operations. I have to add the third, which is social connections. As you can imagine, you have to be safe in order to do the second part, uh, social connections, which leads to procreation. Without those two, the species does not exist. Yes. So you have to continue to, pass on the genetic, uh, um, the, you know, the genes to the next generation. So you have to be safe and you have to procreate by having social connections. The third activity is to be able to build, generate, develop, design, think, problem solve. And this oscillation process, uh, Julie, is really important. And it depends on the level of intensity of your experience and everyone's different. But the key thing is to not get stuck. Constantly oscillate, constantly flip the coin. Breathe in, okay. breathe out, and do. Breathe in, breathe out, then do. Hmm. I hope that answers her question. Yeah, excellent. I think I, I appreciate what you just said there is like not getting stuck and constantly flipping the coin. And it might need to be something that you do more than once, which I That's think right. is important. Through, yes. you, you Throughout the day. day. <clears throat> yeah. Yes. 
one of the things that I learned from you that I didn't know uh, before taking your class was the difference between emotions and feelings. And I'd love to talk a little bit about that um, and uh, why that would maybe be important for just an everyday person to understand. So there's different theories about this, but I think uh, one of the, the uh, sort of the most uh, sort of lead, the greatest leaders in uh, study of emotions is, is Lisa Feldman Barrett from Northeastern. Um, uh, she's a faculty member there, um, a psychologist. And I'll, I'll just focus on her, her view of emotions and feelings. And um, I think I'll get this right. I think for, for, for people who are listening, what's important is to understand that the speed at which the brain is uh, taking in information is beyond our awareness. Our yeah. mind and our body is basically a, a, a sensory apparatus. We're constantly taking information from our inside our body and outside our body. We are, the mind and the body is between the internal chemistry of our body and brain circuitry and the external world. And constantly we're processing information. That information, okay, is unconscious. Right? It doesn't just become conscious. We're not just consciously aware of every single feel, every single moment, every single sense, okay? Our sensory perception doesn't become conscious at first. So at a neurochemical uh, level, okay, we're not aware of but then we talk about those, that neurochemistry is activates what we would call affect or feelings that yeah. then get hard become part of the hard wiring of mm -hmm. our brain, and that those neuronal networks, which would be might be the feeling of anger or fear or anger of shame. Okay, that's a negative emotion. You could say positive emotion too. Get stored in an area of the brain. I'm not gonna go into the details of where, but the fact is that information gets stored, but it's not conscious. Okay, so the unconscious part uh, in a very sim simple way is chemistry and then this, the feelings or the affect. The conscious part is then when that information is registered in the top of the brain, what we call the neocortex, everything yeah. I'm talking about is more at the subcortical levels, deeper in the brain, okay? But when we start thinking about things, we, we have a tendency to be really working at the top of the brain, particularly the frontal part, okay? Let's try to stay away from all these fancy words. <laughs> and what happens then is we have thoughts, we have emotions, and then we start thinking about problem solving and what we're going to do to execute a plan of action. Those are all conscious experiences. Those are all conscious, okay? And that's a fairly simplistic way of looking at it. So feelings and affect are you're not aware of. Once you become aware of them, it's thoughts and emotions, and then that contributes to behavior. Now, some people say that you're not aware of your behavior, you're just acting impulsively. This is also true. If you're in a flight fight mode, you are not going to be able to think. You're just going to react. So your behavior is not always conscious. But once you're acting, you're a, you can't observe yourself running down the hill away from some adverse uh, predator. Um, but generally speaking, feelings are, are, are something that we're not consciously aware of but they're tied very closely to the uh, uh, chemicals in our, in our mind. Does that help Excellent. answer your question? Yes, that's wonderful. Uh, first of all, I just wanna thank you so much for joining us today. I think that you provided such incredible value for everybody who's listening. Um, and I think especially the Welcome. part about you know, uh, adversity and COVID and uh, the things we talked about today, like flipping the coin, and there's positivity and negative emotions. So it's not about denying the negative emotions, but acknowledging it and continuously flipping the coin. Um, I also thought what you talked about, just our brain is hardwired to keep us safe and, uh, uh, and to 
perseverance or to keep going, right? Um, and it's evolved over 600 million years. <laughs> so I think those are things I think were most important for today. Um, Jonathan, tell us a little bit about how people can reach out to you if you're on social media. I know you have a website and you uh, yes. may be taking some clients. So tell us a bit about how people can reach out to you. So uh, my website is www.jonathanaronoff.com, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, Aronoff is A-R-O-N-O-F-F. -F. Um, I do have an Instagram account. It's okay. um, pretty sure it's Jonathan Aronoff. And uh, my email is jonathan at jonathanaronoff.com. So, um, if people are interested in contacting me, I welcome you uh, to reach out to me. And uh, for those who have my cell phone number, they can text me, but I'm not going to give that <laughs> up. Perfect. Do you have any final advice for people who are listening, who are working to be the best, their best self and the, their best that they can possibly be? I guess I've just underscore uh, something I believe in, which is don't be afraid to look straight in the mirror and look at the uh, negative feelings and thoughts and experiences that you have, have the courage to look at it for what it is, name it, breathe in, clench your fist, feel the, the, the stress and the agony of it, the anguish, and then exhale, feel the freedom, and think of something positive that you can do, and be grateful for the negative experience that gives you the chance to become better than you were yesterday. Such a powerful message. Thank you, Dr. Arnoff, for joining us here today on the High Performance Mindset Podcast. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Way to go for finishing another episode of the High Performance Mindset. I'm giving you a virtual fist pump. Holy cow, did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, remember to subscribe and you can head over to Dr. Sindra for show notes and to join my exclusive community for high performers where you get access to videos about mindset each week. So again, you can head over to Dr. Sindra, that's D-R-C-I-N-D-R-A dot com. See you next week.